Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, shall we begin? I mean, fucking intro. We're here now, right? Hey, bitches. <laughs> all right, let's just begin. All right, so you all know it's flex speaking if you're new to the podcast. Um, a year ago, I made a conversation card game, which was basically in response to people DMing me and asking and complimenting me and Bobo on our ability to have interesting conversations with each other, to keep it flowing, to ask cool questions, the right questions, interesting questions, whatever. And they were asking me um, how they could do the same, but mostly in reference to dating. It was never like, how do I have cool conversations with my friends? It was mostly dating, which I thought was really interesting. That is really interesting. So for a short amount of time, I would just respond to DMs with questions people could ask. But then people got rude and they were like you already gave me those questions i want new questions and i was like okay hold up like i don't even know you and now you're asking me to come up with new questions i know can can you imagine some (laughs) random guy like um but also i thought it was really interesting that you know granted conversation is a skill that i thought most would nurture quite early on in their life but it seemed to be so foreign to most people Mm, so naturally i was like i want people to invest in me as much as they're expecting me to invest in them. And then in a night I was like, I'm going to make a game. And so the only reason why I call this a conversation card game is because I find that when people have, um, quote unquote, deep conversations with people who aren't used to having quote unquote deep conversations, they feel interrogated and they feel like they're being challenged or like you want to catch them out. Mm. So the only really reason why I call this a game is just to diffuse the expectation um, of having to say the right thing or do the right thing. The game is to answer the question. The game is to um, almost improve your ability, your ability to critically think which is the idea that you're able to see all sides of the perspective, not just the side you prefer. And it's also to increase your self-awareness, which is the ability to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what's influenced you to do so, or what you think, why you think it, and what's influenced you to think this way. I made two games, and then I was like, fuck, what would be really cool is to get fellow uh, professional opinion havers to <laughs> come up with their questions and to make a game of their own. And I asked Bobo to do that. And then she made her own edition of Reflex, which is on sale now at flexfactory.store. Go get it immediately. Go get it. Now, Bobo, when you were making this deck, or when I had called on you to make this deck, what did you think how did you approach it like what was your intention with it what questions were you planning to ask oh i was like yeah i was like i love asking questions it's like you said i'm literally that's my job i'm a professional opinion haver and question asker um so yeah i just wanted to shadow people's reality make them question their existence Because that's something I enjoy doing. Like, spiraling is literally my hobby. And I just (laughs) want to share that hobby with everyone. Like, let's all spiral together. So, yeah, that's the theme. Um, I just made 21 questions. They're centered around death, morality. um, Yeah, like ethical and moral philosophy. Um, Freedom. There's quite a few questions about freedom. Yeah. And I don't know what else, actually. I think the rest are just miscellaneous. It's about, like, the nature of reality. Yeah. The questions about ethics I find to be really, really interesting. Mm. Because I don't think... I mean, I'm sure everybody would presume that they are ethical beings and that they walk through the world being ethically minded. I know. Um, in the same way that most people are of the belief that they are good people. Mm. Even serial killers think they're good people. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so... <laughs> 
people who promote genocide think they're good people, but I digress. Literally. <laughs> so I think, and I also find like Bobo has this really um, good way of asking questions that actually do require you to think. Like if you were to play this game and how do I explain it? If you're playing my versions of Reflex, you don't really have to think. You can play the game and not apply any critical thinking skills and still enjoy yourself. But I think this game really is challenging yeah if you're not open to the idea that what you believe needs justification Mm. many of us just think what we think and presume that's okay and and we don't need to like justify or clarify or anything but um let me pick one that (laughs) that really made me spiral because yeah (laughs) i mean there's one of two but we'll get we'll get to it yeah so the first one okay I don't have an answer to this one, but I want you to talk me through how you would answer this question. Yeah. You asked, what makes animal agriculture problematic? Purchasing animals or eating animals? Now, I thought of this and I was like, okay, which is it? Because, I mean, obviously there there is like a, a moral... Um, a moral dilemma about how we even engage animals like should we even have dominion over them is it ethical for us to own animals is it right for us to choose which ones we should be able to eat which ones we should be able to like domesticate like all of these things seem like behaviors we justified over time and nobody's ever thought about but animal agriculture in particular i'm like well what is the problem yeah can i buy the animal domesticate it not a big deal or is that an issue yeah can i not even buy the animal just eat it like so how how would you answer that one well okay here's my thought process i think fundamentally what is unethical should i say unethical no it's not unethical it's nonsensical i think (laughs) fundamentally what's nonsensical is human dominion over animals i don't think it makes any sense that as humans we see ourselves as superior to animals just because we're more civilized, quote unquote. Because the way I see it, if anything, we're at the bottom of the barrel. Like we, (laughs) I really do think human consciousness is an evolutionary misstep. I think we really shouldn't be here. Our brains overcooked. Um, We're too self-aware. Like there's just so many problems. And I think all of that has only caused destruction. I think when I look at humans' relationship with, the planet all we've done is destroy whereas all animals have done is give back so like all we do is take and animals and plants just give 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 i think for me personally what makes animal agriculture problematic is purchasing them because that extends beyond just eating like the fact that we use animals to satisfy really unnecessary desires is what makes it fundamentally unethical we really don't need to be wearing animals we don't need to be putting carmine in our makeup there's so many things that we just kill animals for unnecessarily that is just not justifiable but yeah the root of the problem is that we've somehow convinced ourselves and deluded ourselves into thinking that we are morally superior to an animal when really we're at the bottom of the barrel. I don't know if that answered the question. I mean, how do you feel? Do you think that um, eating animals would be more justifiable if we also ate humans? Like if I think we it would. Cannibals? Yeah, I think it would make more sense. Yeah, yeah, that does that does hit a little bit different. Yeah, because why why aren't people cannibals? Like, why is cannibalism bad? But also what's nonsensical is how we've divided, um, like how we've created a hierarchy between animals that we can domesticate and animals we can eat. Yeah, what is the difference? Like, (laughs) if I, (laughs) so if I came into your house and I barbecued your cat, why is that any worse than me wearing, having a leather bag? Like, why? The only difference is your emotional attachment to the animal, but Mm. even that is an illusion. You're only you're only attached to a cat as like something that you own because you've been conditioned to. But really, like a cat's life is just as valuable as any other animal. So if it's unethical for me to wear leather, why is it not unethical for you to have a cat in the house? 
Oh, see now this is uh, this is gonna be yep, 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 yep. I'm having a think, and that is an interesting yeah. question though. Mm. If if you are an animal lover, yeah, quote unquote, and someone who consumes meat like normally, how do you make that sort of like moral justification between one being ethical or fine? Um, and the other being completely immoral. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll speak as someone with a pet. So I have yeah. a puppy. His name is Marshmallow. He's incredible. And I thought about this before deciding to get a dog. Like, how am I justifying putting an animal in my house? Well, first, it's the fact that, like, there's so many animals that are bred unnecessarily. So if it's not coming to me, <laughs> it's going to someone else. So there's mm. that. And the second is that, okay, if I wasn't allergic to cats, because I also really like cats, but I think cats have cats have evolved to the point where they're aware that they're slaves in ways that dogs haven't. Like, I think yeah. cats know. I mean, cats can hold grudges yeah, for 16 literally. hours. So, like, they're not really with it like that. Honestly. They know what you did. <laughs> in the same way that I think human consciousness is an evolutionary misstep, I think dog consciousness is perfection. Like dogs are the gods of the world in that they're not smart enough to understand, to be self-aware, but they're, they're still smart enough to actually enjoy their existence. Like at the heart of human consciousness is dissatisfaction, whereas at the heart of dog consciousness is just being present and big enjoyment. Like... Yeah. I think dogs literally exist <laughs> just to love. Yeah, like, yeah. I look at dogs and I'm like, wow, your only purpose in this life is to love. Whereas our how only... easily they sleep. Literally, <laughs> they just literally... Whereas our only purpose is to be dissatisfied. Like, that's the only thing that keeps us from killing ourselves is mm. the inherent dissatisf- dissatisfaction that keeps us progressing. Whereas the thing that keeps dogs from killing themselves is the fact that there's just they're just so happy to be alive. Like, they just want to love. So the, that's also how I justify having a pet or how I justify having a dog. So I feel like a dog wants, or at least that's how I'm interpreting it. This might also just be an illusion. But when I'm with dogs, they seem to enjoy my presence and they seem... Like, when I'm sad, my puppy will come up to me and, like, lick my hand like he'll recognize this bitch is sad i want to make her happy you know like why deprive them of that like <laughs> but then again is it this... sound like such a stoner you're like so when my puppy comes up to me <laughs> Literally. he sees i'm sad he licks my hand <laughs> <laughs> like isn't so that so evolved him, just love him <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, I feel like dogs actually enjoy being alive, whereas I can't mm. justify having a cat because they seem to, they seem to just they toil. Yeah, they seem to toil. Like, this is slavery and we know <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> they seem to toil under the awareness that they too are slaves. Yeah. But I, I mean, see. how do you, okay, as an animal eater, how do you justify that? Justify what? Eating animals? Yeah. I mean, it's habitual. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's. I don't even think it's more of a justification, but a habit. I do it. And also mm, because I okay. feel like I'm not... I, I think, uh, like, if we were to look at any other habits that were deemed as, like, being immoral, you're faced with the realisation of that fact every time. So, like, yeah. if you were going to constantly steal, you'd encounter enough people who'd be like, baby, that isn't, like, that's not it. Yeah. Like, here are the reasons why. Or if you were going to be out outwardly bigoted, you'd be faced with the reality of what it is to be a bigoted person constantly mm. in a way that's actually quite uncomfortable. What about here eating chicken nuggets? It's just pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pleasure. Interesting, um, yeah. Do you think... But- do you think it's justifiable to prioritize pleasure over like, because I think that's what that's like fundamentally what freedom is, is prioritizing pleasure over someone else's well-being. Yeah. Like anytime you are free to do something, your freedom imposes on someone else's desire. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but see, I'm of the camp that's never viewed animals as equal to humans, even though we Ooh. also are animals. Do you know what I mean? Why is that? So like, 
Well, it's just upbringing. Like, I wasn't in environments where it's like, I had a pet. Like, food was... Animals are food. Animals are food. Yeah. And even going to Ghana, like, of course, like, um, we had farm animals that we would raise and, like, care for. We, as if I was there all the time. My family <laughs> would have had farm animals that were raised and cared for. Yeah. With the intention to eat. Right. You know? Right. Like, yeah. they were still cared for with the intention to later on be eaten. So, like... either way I looked at it I was like great animals are food yeah and then you can contextualize okay oh wait it's not all animals are food some animals are food Mm. so we just won't eat we just won't eat like house dogs and house cats and house guinea pigs and house rats but the rest are fair game so I've just not been in the position of being like animals are equal to um but it's just I don't know. It would take me a minute to get to that point, which is also why I can understand why people don't view humans as equal. Like it's just, we're flawed in the way we view each other. So I can understand why we'd be flawed in the way we view animals. Like they're whole humans. Don't think whole humans are equals, but they want me to extend that same privilege to people, things that we eat. Like, yeah. Yeah. Winston Churchill has (laughs) entered the chat. (laughs) (laughs) Come here, Winston. (laughs) Come here. Literally. Um, Yeah. But that brings me on to your next question, Mm. which I think is very good. You asked, does everyone have a moral obligation to try and make the world a better place? And you said in one of our recent episodes that if you, if you, anything, if anything moral becomes an obligation and a responsibility, then it's done out of uh, purpose and performance, sorry, and not out of want. Mm. So that's a really good thing about, a good thing to think about in, in relation to this question of making the world a better place mm. and better is subjective anyway, because yeah. I'm sure white supremacists and Nazis yeah. and the KKK were out here doing the thing. And <laughs> yeah. The no, literally what happened to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. like if we're all going with our gut and making the world a better place, then we can't really villainize what they've been doing for their own community. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing about morality is that mm-hmm. it just is, it's irreconcilable. Like, I just think if I'm going to say, like, if I'm going to ask, is it better for me to prioritize my well-being or to prioritize your well-being? There is not a single answer that would satisfy both parties. Do you know what I mean? Like, so being, I feel like morality falls under two camps. You're either an individualist or you're a collectivist. So if you're an individualist, you believe that I'm going to prioritize my well-being. If you're a collectivist, you believe that I'm going to prioritize other people's well-being over my own because we're all one species anyway. So if we now ask the question, well, which one is better? There's there's just no answer that will satisfy both parties, whichever you pick. So I used an example because I was talking about this on my Instagram story. So if we have two apples... There's one big apple and there's one small apple. So, and the, now it's you and I. And so now I say, okay, pick an apple. So now you pick the bigger one. And I look at you and I think, how could you? Like, how could you pick the bigger one and just leave me with the smaller one? Like, what is wrong with mm, you? Yeah. And so then you will turn around and ask me, well, if it were up to you to pick first, which one would you have chosen? And I'll say, well, I would have picked the smaller one to which you'll then respond. Well, then what I did is perfectly in line with your desires. Mm. So I did nothing immoral. And that is like the fundamental paradox of morality is that the questions of individualism versus collectivism will never satisfy two parties simultaneously. Either whichever camp you pick, someone suffers. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the question is, do we have a moral responsibility to make the world a better place? I think we each have a responsibility, but I don't think it's a moral responsibility. I think the only way... Yes, that's a good distinction to make. Yeah. Because once something is a moral responsibility, then it's no longer a moral act. It's a performance. And the purpose of performance is to entertain while the purpose of morality is to improve. And if you're performing, then you can't improve at the same. So you don't think. Hmm. I don't think you can, 
Because I think to genuinely improve something, you have to be moving with intention. What do you think? Like, do you think that improvement can come accidentally? Like, I just don't think the laws of physics allow that. I'm not actually sure. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to think about that. But yeah, like, I just think the two are irreconcilable. So I don't think we have a moral responsibility to make the to make the world better. But I think the only thing that keeps us from killing ourselves is striving for improvement. Like, as human beings, that is what our software is. Like, that's what keeps it running, is striving. So if you don't strive for anything... <laughs> then you, you're already dead. So I think the purpose of making the world better is to imbue your life with meaning because otherwise you're just surrounded by absurdity. Like life is so absurd and you will never be given meaning or purpose. So all you can do is strive for something. And that's mm. the only, that is literally the only thing that keeps us from killing ourselves. So if people don't have a moral obligation, mm. but they just have a responsibility, why? <laughs> I mean, because I, I feel like I feel like if you're not someone who's actively trying to make the world a better place, then I don't think by proxy you're making the world a worse place. Can we I just, disagree. Can just, really? I do. I Because I think existence as a whole, like this isn't even just restricted to humans. I think if you exist in this reality, like in this dimension, in this reality, on this planet, in this galaxy, if you exist, you're either improve, you're either adding or you're subtracting. But I don't think there's a middle ground. This is what you said about influences. I remember this conversation. Yeah, like if you're not adding, you're subtracting. Yeah, like let's yeah. let's even think about that. Like if you think about the people on Instagram, they're either adding value to society or they're subtracting value to society. So I think to opt out of adding value is by proxy, <laughs> by virtue, is you're, you're choosing to subtract value. And I'm not going to attach a moral value to not being like a valuable member of society. But I do, I just think it's suicide. Like I just think, I think the act of not striving is suicide. So like, I don't get it. I mean, how, how do you yeah. feel? I just think that we we find ourselves in murky territory where um, I understand the the logic of everybody working towards and being responsible for, for bettering, but bettering is so subjective. Right. That I just, it feels like anarchy. Like the concept of better is so subjective that we probably are all doing that right now in some way and look at where we are. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I feel like people who think who are eating animals are bettering themselves so they can better others. Like I need the fuel and stuff and I feel better when I eat pigs as opposed to spirulina. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I can, I can see how the logic gets twisted and turned when you look at it from different people's perceptions of what better is for them and their own experience and the experience of those around them. Yeah. So on that note, I think this is why morality can't exist under capitalism. For several reasons, but like this idea of nation states and nationality actually prevents any type of improvement in the world. The fact that we're all forced to live in cities of a million people whose values you don't share, like that literally prevents that no- that very notion of improvement because improvement requires shared morality. So if we're going to live in one society... It has to be driven by shared values, shared morality, or else improvement is literally impossible. So if I'm not going to live in the same America that Trump lives in, then there is no such thing as improvement because Trump's version of improvement is white supremacy and my version of improvement is liberation. Mm. And both of us, and this again is why freedom is so oppressive, both of us quote allegedly have freedom to pursue what we think is bettering society and each of our freedoms impose on the other so trump striving for a more white supremacist society imposes on me striving for a just liberated society or whatever it is 
and me striving for liberation like racial liberation imposes on his striving for white supremacy to even begin that conversation of like is it possible to strive for better well we have to get rid of the notion of freedom and liberty because if you fundamentally believe in freedom then you believe that trump has every right to be a white supremacist just as much as i have every right to be a liberal or whatever i am But both of those can't exist simultaneously without imposing on each other. So freedom is oppressive and freedom oppresses morality and moral improvement. So to begin with, if we're going to talk about is it possible to improve society, it is, but only in a society with shared morals and, and only in a society where freedom isn't given to everyone. For me, I get stuck on the word obligation. Ooh, obligation for me is just, I mean, because like if you're obligated to do something, right, you're morally or legally bound. It's a duty or a commitment. Right. And from someone who feels obligated to do certain things, there's a certain amount of, um, uh, how do you say, friction, knowing that I have to do something because powers at B deem it the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. So I agree with everyone having like a responsibility because responsibility to me feels like it's, uh, it's almost like fueled from your own desire to do B think better Mm. as opposed to knowing that you are bound by somebody else's desire for you to do think or be better. And that's why you're doing so a good example of this is being on the internet now about like, I don't know, a week and a half after George Floyd got murdered on on the internet. Yeah. I see people saying, I saw people saying throughout that week that they felt like it was their their duty or their obligation, whatever you want to call it, to stop their regular posting and post only a bla- about black people, black voices, black things, whatever, right? When, when you hear that somebody's morally obligated to do so, it sounds like a euphemism for this is the norm and it's a norm of what's expected from quote unquote good people. Mm. Therefore I will do this thing because it's expected from good people. And I identify as a good person. Mm. That's what goes through my mind because a week and a half after the fact, I'm seeing posts like this and I quote, yeah, last week we thought it was important at the end of um, last week. We thought it was important to use our platform to amplify colored voices Colored also. Why are people saying colored? I know. Are we the 1950s? What is um, this? This is something we will continue to do. However, we also thought it was necessary to provide our regular pop culture content for anyone looking for something lighter to help you through. Love heart. Do you mm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. When yeah. it's like, because we were all morally obligated to say something, we said it. And now that's done. We can get back to something light. I don't feel like moral obligation should be the motivation to make anything better because it Mm. also feels like a, a practice that's got a, uh, what's it called? It's got an expiry date. Yeah. I feel obligated to do this so long as it's moral, but, and so long as it's moral and it's the norm. But when that ceases to be, I'm back to what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Because morality does change and move. As the social zeitgeist changes, yeah, it's subject. It was to once space moral to enslave. Yeah, you know what really? I mean. So yeah. I don't feel like using people's morals as a foundation is enough for me. Interesting. Because <laughs> your morals be saying shit <laughs> that's not moral. <laughs> Facts. Okay, so question yeah. then: Do you think we would all be better off without moral responsibility? Like, if no one felt. Like, if there was no pressure to be any type of good person, whatever that means, do you think people would be better? I think better is such an arbitrary, like, way to define behavior, though. Okay, would we be happier with each other? Like, with the way that we engage each other? Like, would white people be happier with black people and black people be happier with white people? (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? 
No, I don't necessarily think we get along better, but I think mm. the reason why we struggle to get along now is the pressure of upholding norms, obligations that we don't necessarily like agree mm. or align with. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think there are a ton of people who are like, fuck, I don't really like care about not being or being racist. And I got care about that shit. Now I've like, yeah. there's this friction. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to improve relationships, but I definitely think there'll be a certain sense of purity. Um, yeah in the way people are behaving like now i feel like there's a certain sense of suspicion towards and there's always been suspicion on the motivation of why people are good you know like Mm. people who are nice kind good uh are felt to be suspicious because what is your motivation for that where in this Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. World, it's not nice, kind, or good, you know? Mm. But if we were in a space where that didn't, where, where we weren't supposed to uphold any morals or norms or anything and we were just allowed to be anarchists who happen to be nice <laughs> or anarchists right. who happen to be good yeah then it would just be easier sorry to identify how we be, how we were how to best work together but i don't think it'd be better or worse it'd just be best for our individual circumstances mm. i think morals like really uh, sort of like the whole idea of having like a moral responsibility pushes this kind of idea that we're walking together as one community and we're just really not like just a bunch of individuals trying to feign community because that's what we should be doing but at the crux of it like our motivations for betterness really don't overlap as often as we'd like to think they do yeah no and i think we'd be better off if we accepted that that's the thing i think morality and freedom cannot coexist so you have to choose between one or the other. And I think that's that's the hard conversation that people don't want to have. Is that you both want to be free and you also want to live in a world that aligns with your morals. And that's just impossible. One man's freedom is another man's oppression. Mm-hmm. So, Always going to impede on somebody else's freedom. Whichever yeah, way you look at it. Whichever way. So unless you're in an environment where you live in a vacuum separate from anybody else's influence at all or just interaction like if you just lived in solitary confinement yeah in your little like jungle bush in the wild I'm sure you'd be fine yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah. so long as you have to interact with other people and and so long as your behavior and what you think impedes on others behavior and what they think then it ain't it yeah which is why we need to like dismantle the idea of nationality Because it just doesn't make any sense. Like, just because I was born on this arbitrary piece of land that was boarded up by a white supremacist notion of space and time, now I have to attach myself and identify with a culture and nationality, whether or not I align with the morals and the values. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Instead of, like attaching ourselves to nationality what we should be doing is attaching ourselves to like shared values that's the only that is the only way for morality to exist otherwise it's just an illusion like the fuck Mm, that's what we're finding out everything it's all an illusion i know it's all an illusion and let's do one last one because Mm. this one oof this one Let's just get into it. I'm ready. Is a thought without a corresponding action immoral? For example, if you think about killing someone but don't follow through, is the thought itself immoral? If not, when do thoughts carry moral significance? And this is a big one because it I is. was talking. I was talking in an, a few episodes ago about how um, there was this girl, this non-black girl, dating a black guy, and she used to sing the N word in songs, but doesn't currently because. She um, knows it offends him, but she still thinks that she should have the right to. So in that sense, what like what are we after? Because I feel like the conversation around any kind of marginalization, whether it's racism, homophobia, homophobia, bigotry is about stopping the action. Like, don't do anything actively racist. Don't do anything actively homophobic. But what do we do to combat the thoughts? 
you know what I mean? <laughs> like, right, yeah. Because the thoughts are what propel the actions forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, in my opinion, a thought always carries a moral value because mm-hmm. your thought is just a catalyst for your behavior. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if you decide to repress or suppress your thoughts, energy never dies. So it's going to manifest itself in some way, shape or form. Mm. So, and I think that's the thing too, is like all of these structures of oppression are really, they're really propped up by our desires, our motivations, our belief systems, our subconscious beliefs about ourselves and the world around us. It's not what you do, but it's your relationship to the world that maintains systems of oppression. Like what you do is like 10% of it, but the rest of what props up systems of oppression are your thoughts, your belief systems, your Mm. desires, your motivations. So no, the way I see it, all thoughts carry moral value and it doesn't increase when you do the thing. I think it just manifests when you do the thing. Like Mm. I think if you're a serial killer and you suppress your like desires to kill it's gonna manifest some way like it's going to manifest itself somehow i mean how do you feel <laughs> you took as you started talking about murder i was like i don't know if we're i don't know if we're on the same page <laughs> um but yeah like i think about um cliches a lot um and how they've come to be and why they exist and why people use them and a cliche that comes up quite a lot day to day is, you know, actions speak louder than words, mm. but thoughts are much more powerful than your actions. Facts. Facts. And you can talk about it in terms of manifesting the law of attraction or realistically understand that your thoughts are, your thoughts are the home for your biases and your right. views and your beliefs and your mindset and your perception. Like your thoughts do all that shit for you. Right. So the fact that you think we get to, actions and words before we tackle the thoughts is insane to me Mm. and I feel like people hide behind the anonymity of not being able I people I think people hide behind the anonymity that concealing your thoughts gives you because we're not mind readers right so there's a lot of power in harboring on beliefs that you never have to share because there aren't a lot of platforms to speak freely about how you feel. Mm. Aside from there not being a lot of platforms, people just don't have that confidence to say what they what they want with their chest, you know? Right. So imagine yeah. you're harboring all these feelings of like resentment or whatever it might be. And because you never acted on them, you think that you, you're void of responsibility for what you feel. It is still immoral. Like we can't yeah, be giving facts. ourselves pats on the back. Like, like you said, if I thought about murdering somebody viciously day in, day out and never did it, that's not a pat on the back. Yeah. Well, the (laughs) thing is, (laughs) even if you never did it, you, how do I put it? It's like Donald Trump is a good example. Donald Trump will never go on national TV and be like, I want all these niggas dead. But what he will do is redlining. What he will do is perpetuate food deserts. What he Mm. will do is create legislation that ultimately kills black people. So whether or not you thought every day about wanting to kill black, like Donald Trump probably thinks every day about wanting to kill people, kill black people, but he never does it. And yet that desire still manifests itself because it's fundamentally who he is. Like being black is still a death sentence even though lynching is illegal. And that's because, (laughs) yeah. And that's because it is not the action that was killing black people. It was the underlying belief system that black people are subhuman. So even if you don't Mm. intentionally act on that thought, it will, and it's just a law of physics, it will manifest itself and have the same effect because... Energy just doesn't die. Energy doesn't die. It just doesn't, you know? I think this one was my favorite question because Mm. I could imagine that, yeah, actions and whether or not you follow through is the basis for a lot of um, justification on behavior. Um, And I mean, it was interesting though because we talked about 
actually let's not get into it it's it's too much but, yeah yeah um I, I just think that like we people don't take into consideration how much your mindset impacts the way you see the world mm-hmm. i don't know why because um it is everything like everything yeah, yeah. Your brain just acts as a filter. And especially when you know that your brain doesn't pick and choose what it processes, it just does what you allow, what, it does what you give it room to do. Right. You know what I mean? Right, like, it, right. it's not out here being like, hey, sis, maybe don't think that. Nope. Yeah, Whatever you literally. allow it to do and think, it's just going to keep helping you do, you know? So um, I just, yeah, I think that I can imagine a lot of people would just be like, no, like if you didn't murder the person and just thought about it, like that's fine. No, that's scary. Yeah, that's really like, <laughs> that's spooky. Go to therapy. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Honestly, and people also like repressed desires are lethal. If they don't kill you, they will kill the people around you. Like repressed repression truly is like a silent killer. Like that's mm. another thing. Wow, I love this question. I know, same. Because I'm trying to think about in other areas, like, um, you know, like I was mentioning before, a lot of people don't have the spaces to say what they think and how they feel and all that stuff, right? Like, it's just it's just a byproduct of being in quite, like, repressive um, families, countries, homes, whatever. Yeah. But think about all like these undeveloped thoughts people have that they Ooh. haven't explored because their environment doesn't allow them to, and they're just holding on to it, you know? Yeah, because, like, like what? Well, like, let's say, right, like, you've never really explored sexuality. Like, you've never really mm. had a critical thought about what, like, how you sexually identify or what your relationship to your sexuality is. You just yeah. double down on the fact that you're straight just because everybody around you does. Yeah, yeah. And you watch people go through this really, like, oh, I've seen some of my friends go through this process of, like, this really, like, uh, like internal anguish of, like, doubling down on a thought because you haven't had the, Interesting. the corresponding action um, to back it up right yeah so like i must be straight because i've never kissed a girl yeah it's like, yeah oh you can just like think that one through it's literally so like sis it's you're so gay good. you're a gay like <laughs> <laughs> so like in this instance like if we take immorality aside um and we just think about thoughts and consequent uh thoughts and corresponding actions mm. um it's like if we don't give our thoughts the right kind of like fertilizer to grow and evolve, then how much are we like limiting ourselves? Yeah. Um, by just yeah. not giving ourselves room to evolve in that way. And Fully. I think we're very yeah. quick to assume that people around us are in charge of our limiting beliefs or our limiting mindsets. Mm. Like because my mum never affirmed me. And it's like, mm, but you spend a lot of time with your own brain and you you be programming you know, that's yeah. just what you do day yeah. in, day out. It's just yeah. <laughs> constant conditioning and programming. And like, before somebody gets into your head, it still needs to be filtered through you. Like, right. People aren't going Fully. to your mindset without going through you, whether that's consciously or subconsciously. So either it's like the walls you've built up to protect yourself from outside conditioning. You've also not considered that the conditioning that you're doing to yourself also needs to be reevaluated. Yeah. Like while we were pointing fingers at society and capitalism and nature versus nurture, you just been with your whole head for 25 years and didn't think that you were doing anything either. Like how do you think you got this way? Yeah. <laughs> no, fully. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, no, I also think about this in the context of like, like to go back to the conversation we were having in our last episode about like dismantling systems and all this stuff. Like, I really think that a lot of people think dismantling systems is like a physical thing that you do. And really, it's 99% a mental thing. Like, if you want to dismantle capitalism... You have to first dismantle your desire to be a capitalist. If you want to dismantle patriarchy, you have to first dismantle your desire for structural power. Like, all of these things... Like, capitalism really just exists because everyone wants to be a capitalist. Like, whether or not you become Jeff Bezos is irrelevant to the fact that your desires perpetuate capitalism. Like, that's what keeps it going. And like, yeah, I think we just don't, 
I think that's what the crux of this question was. Like, to what extent is your world molded by your mind versus your actions? Which also just goes to show that, like, all of reality just exists in the mind. Like, that's all we have. Wow. All of reality exists in the mind. You are so deep. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Madness. Should we do one more quick one? Like, just a random... And just a random one. You act like you didn't write these questions and none of them are quick. Like, <laughs> it's so insane. All right, let's do this one. Mm. Is the way we give love determined by the way we've been loved in the past? Mm. Yeah. I'm going to go with yes. Yeah. Here, I think- I, of course. Yeah. Huh? I mean, I'm just thinking about, like, I'm thinking about myself right now. Well, Okay. Oh, okay, this is what I'm, like, trying to reconcile. I think the way you love either mirrors your past or it's a rejection of your past. But I guess even if you're rejecting the ways that you were loved in the past, it's the way you love is still determined by your past. So, yeah. Um. Okay, so the way I'm seeing it, right, like, it goes back to the last um, example we, we gave about mindset. Mm. Like, unless you're doing proactive programming on yourself, then you're only really using your experiences um, and the media you consume to really formulate what you think and how you act. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like a lot of it's passive programming, unless you're jumping in your own mindset and being like, Hey bitch, let me hold up. Let me switch some things around. And so love is a very interesting one because I think a lot of us enter like, enter relationship territory and assume we have some some kind of expertise because of all the shit we've been watching and listening and experiencing and all that good stuff but all we have i mean our only real tangible experience with love is the way we've been given it and the way we've received it Mm. if not for that all of it's really theory right like how can you really you can theorize what it is to love that's just like simple shit yeah but when a lot of our behavior is reactive and it's subconsciously programmed. Very few of us act with very, um, very few of us act intentionally. Very few of us are like are clocked onto our triggers, our motivations, our strengths. Yeah, yeah, None of that. Yeah. We're not robots, <laughs> you know? We just do some shit because it's been done, you know? Like, oh, okay, like, I know I'm going to comfort you in that way because that's how I saw it or that's how it was done to me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I don't think the way you've been loved in the past limits how you're able to love yeah. in future. Yeah. But I definitely think that it the way you express it is definitely determined by how you've received it. Yeah. It's informed, yeah, by how you Definitely informed. Yeah. And like it takes a lot because like love as a concept is just so like the it's so it's just too nuanced. Like on a day-to-day basis, like trying to give and receive love in a healthy way takes so much effort, more effort than I think the average person realizes they need to put into that kind of interaction. Yeah. Um, so much of how we give love is through shame and fear and guilt. You know what I mean? Like love for a lot of people love, love being is not a freeing, like fairy fucking exercise, you know, like it's not like the easiest thing ever. Like I just gave love and it was given back to me. And I'm yeah, yeah. like, no, like love is often synonymous with like fear and like guilt and shame and um fear of abandonment and loss and being judged. Like these are all quite heavy themes yeah. that a lot of us aren't giving ourselves enough room to unpack before we go and put that shit onto somebody else you know yeah how are you gonna tell someone i fear you're gonna cheat on me and so i project these ideas of you cheating on me and then suddenly you cheat and then i say that i knew you were gonna cheat like this this shit happens so and i often feel like a lot of us are very scared to say that we don't know or we haven't done Mm. or we're not educated enough and so when it comes to love we look at our insecurities and we go well fuck it they can't know we're we're weak they can't know we're uneducated so we double down on what we think is right like no i am gonna love you in this way i'm gonna yell at you when i just want attention i am gonna call you like you know so i think that um unless you're yeah unless you're proactively trying to program yourself yeah which is very hard to do 
in itself because a lot of like I said a lot of what's controlling you is subconscious shit and how do you know what's subconscious if it's subconscious yeah like you don't know what you don't know (laughs) yeah you don't know what you don't know so it's really hard to be like I'm not affected by the way I bitch yes you are yeah (laughs) it's so determined um and I feel like it's very easy to draw like really obvious parallels like oh I was raised in a single household and my mother was very fearful of men they're like those are really obvious parallels to draw yeah but um you know, it's it's the more like covert ways that you've been informed. Like I remember going to an energetic healer once and she was she was like doing the healing and she was like, Oh, she's like making all these faces. And she's like, You have to stop with the sad music and the horror shows and the gossip. She's like, That's all I see you consuming is media that puts yourself in an elevated state of trauma for entertainment. Holy shit, like, me what? too. <laughs> she was like, what do you think your body does when you're out here watching horror movies, shocking yourself into fear that's not real? You put it wow. in your body and because it didn't happen to you, you're not, remember, you're not remembering to process it out. There's no filtering back out process. Interesting. So you're just internalizing all these fear all these jumps or this shock horror and wondering why you carry so much tension in your body similar to like heartbreak songs i love sad music i just think it's so um i sometimes i think happy happy music is full of cliches and doesn't really reflect what it is to be a happy person oh my god are we the same person (laughs) i'm this is literally my relationship to music and film like happy music often sensationalizes and stylizes what is to actually be happy yeah where a sad music just hits the nail on the head like it really gets it it really hits and so she was like what do you think your body does with all she's like not only the feelings that you internalize from listening to sad music but the the storylines and um yeah, the storylines of, of, of how you view your position in love. Are you constantly listening to are you constantly listening to women talk about their failed relationships with men? Are you constantly listening mm. to men talking about how they've been broken and are distrustful of women? Where do you think that goes? You um, might not consciously crying. recognize that as being fact, but subconsciously your brain had to process that shit. So it's there. Like knowing that everything you've ever seen, heard, consumed, brushed shoulders with is in your mind. That shit's crazy. Wait, that literally everything. I'm gonna jump off a building because that just. And you want to talk about? I don't know how I got this way. I can tell you. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) I don't know why I'm like this. I can tell you. (laughs) Lich. Oh my god. Actually, I'm shook because similarly to you. I watch like sci-fi horror like I need I need the drama like I can't just watch a light-hearted tv show like what am I doing here same with I don't do you think we just require a lot of stimulation in order to be captivated like in order for something to hold your attention do you think you need an extreme amount of stimulation absolutely Wow, because I really, yeah, like I just, <laughs> it's got to be extreme because any level of average, I feel myself slipping. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like, my awareness is slipping. My ability to concentrate is slipping. My interest is slipping. <laughs> that is, that is literally, yeah. Which is good to know, you know, yeah. like the more you know, the more you know. But I, yeah, I feel like most of us would be. Look, I think fear of the unknown is so crippling. Mm-hmm. Like not knowing what you don't know for the for for we talk about it so candidly because we've come to terms with that fact. But I think talking to an average person and being like, "Hey, do you realize that like of what you think you know is just like you haven't even cracked the surface of what there is to know." Yeah, and there's so much you will never know. But while you're here thinking that you're a smart bitch, you're actually the dumbest bitch ever because yeah. to be really smart to know you're dumb. Like this is <laughs> not what people want to hear. Like it's not helpful. So I think when you go to someone and you explain to them like, hey, I don't know if you've considered that the way you see the world is all you, like mm. you, you programmed that. It's not your fault. Yeah. That's not your fault, but it's but you definitely did a responsibility. Yeah. And when we use like, 
words or phrases like we've got to protect our space and you know words become thoughts become things it all sounds so vague because if you're not critically thinking your way through the crux of what's being said to you it is vague yeah but when you finally understand your anatomy and your biology and all this stuff you're kind of like wait oh that's what the subconscious mind is yeah that's why i'm suddenly afraid of the dark but i have no conscious like I have no conscious recollection of why. Right. That's why I'm afraid of big open spaces, but I have no no recollection. Bitch, you watch Jaws. I know you watch Jaws <laughs> as a kid. Now you now you wonder why you're scared of the ocean. I got no conscious recollection. Huh? <laughs> that is and yeah, like you're you're so right. Like ninety percent of the shit that goes on in our brain we just are not aware of. And yet it affects everything. <laughs> being a human being is mad hey oh it's just who did this it's too much but imagine being an alien you gotta like be bear witness to all of this literally smarter especially (laughs) this season like the aliens are screaming right now they're like wow earth 2020 (laughs) why we gotta go there they're a bunch of dummies literally let's go straight to pluto wow wow well there we have it it, guys what an episode um go and buy reflex go spiral with us the link will be in the is it a description box i think that's just on youtube but you know the box with all the links and you know where to find us it's the link will be on our pages it's there I hope and pray that you're able to speak or play this game with somebody who's giving you energy and thinking back because Mm. there's nothing worse than playing a conversation game with someone who's just so closed off. I've witnessed it. Oh my God. Yeah. It's painful. So, I mean, enjoy. Yeah. Also take this on your first date. That's how you know. Mm -hmm. Take it on your first date. Take it into the office when you're trying to connect with people. Yeah. These are, do you know, take it anywhere that you feel like would be inappropriate. Take it to your grandparents' yes. house. Yes, yeah. Take it to a funeral. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Take it to a wedding. Oh my God, I can't I wait to play you. this with my African parents. I cannot oh. wait to annoy them. I'm not ready. I told, I'm telling you to do it, but I'm not ready. I'm dead. Honestly, every time I bring this game up to people who are over the age of 40, the amount of walls that go pew, 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 pew. that's so like, interesting the walls and the barriers i'm like i like i'm just trying to chat oh my god i remember i was doing this video shoot really quickly video shoot at my house yeah and they brought a, a, a crew in and so there was like three camera people two producers one uh one sound um tech you know a lot of people and they saw the reflex boxes around my house They're like oh let's play and so we pick a card and it says, what stereotype do you completely live up to? Now, this is like f- five white old men in my house yeah. and one <laughs> old white woman. And they were like, I don't want to answer that. Oh what my do God, you mean? Why? Like, why? They're, they're like, what stereotypes are there? Like, you don't know what stereotypes there are for oh old white men? My, that's my biggest just, fear in life. <laughs> like, my biggest fear in life is just not being curious anymore. Like, when you're at the point where, like, there's just... When someone asks me a question, I put up a wall. Oof. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I drink I drink beer a lot. Like, is that one? Oh, my God, I can't. I mean, no, I like, guess. I'm you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm actually done. And then I was like, ever since then, I was like... But you know what? I'm like, I just... I'm not... I like having conversations, but it's not for everyone. And yeah. I think I've been giving the world the wrong impression. I want to talk to 10 people, max. And I want to <laughs> talk to people who, who think for a living. Yes. And that sounds really elitist. No, but it's I'm not. the same. Oh, that is. Because you can work in retail and think for a living. You can yeah. troubleshoot all day. Customer service, that's thinking for a living. That's troubleshooting. That's being really aware of yeah. what you're saying, how it's being interpreted. I love that shit. If you don't have to use your brain in a new way daily, I can't do it. Because then I have what to, like, are we going to talk education. about? Education. <laughs> I want to do it. I want to do it. Honestly, I do wonder, like, what... Do you ever wonder? Like, do you ever walk past 
a restaurant and you're like, I wonder what that couple is talking about. All the time. But then I always see a lot of the head bows and people on their phone. Yeah. I look Because I do understand being so comfortable with someone that you don't have to talk. But what I think is harder to do is have interesting conversations with people you already know and have known for a long time. Mm. Especially ones that don't center around gossip. Yeah. Yeah. Because I see a lot of that shit. People think they have fruitful relationships because they talk, they're able to talk about other people. Yeah. That's not fruitful. I know. (laughs) Honestly, That's a challenge. Talk to your best friend. Talk to your partner about something that isn't somebody else. Talk about a concept. You know, most people go their entire lives not doing that. Like, madness. Makes you think. (laughs) Well, there we have it, guys. Thank you for listening. Tune in to our next episode. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter as Bobo and Flex. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Love your work.